The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. Hey, everybody. Welcome once again to Afternoons with Mike, heard daily on the Shepherd Radio Network and on the line with me back for the second visit. He was with me in July. Neil Mammon is the president of the Values Advocacy Council and also co-founder of Every Black Life Matters. Welcome back, Neil. Thank you so much, Mike. I really appreciate you having me again. I guess the first time I didn't uh, dissuade you enough not to invite me back. (laughs) That's right. Yeah, you did. You did. uh, Okay, my man. I'm so happy to have you back (laughs) here today. Yeah, this is great to have you. You, uh, I speak to so many issues that are, are not only important, but they're so relevant right now with everything that's going on. I mean, our culture is definitely in a shift. And this shift is leaning toward the left in major uh, unprecedented speed. And, uh, you know, these are concerning times, aren't they? Absolutely. But I'm, I want to start off by saying there is no good reason for us to be shifting one way. Uh, because the power is in our hands. And the real reason we're thinking that way is because Christians and conservatives have uh, given up the fight in many cases, and we need to get them back into the fray. A lot of them have come back into the fight, fight due to COVID. I think there's been a mass awakening. But in general, this is ours to lose, and yet we keep losing it. So uh, that's the discouraging part of it. Now, one of the things that we talked about back last July, you've written a book, about uh, the church and its role in the political uh, arena, if you will. And you would believe that the Lord wants us involved, more involved than what historically many churches have been a part of. Would you, uh, would you hold that? Is that a fair? Yeah, that's absolutely correct. And I think that uh, the, if, you look, if you look at the history of Israel, which is probably the most closest akin to the church, I don't, we have not Placed Israel, but we are, we are, you know. Instead, the Lord has expanded His uh, kingdom, if you will, of, of a family, if you will, with Christians. But if you look at what happened to Israel back in the days of kings uh, before captivity, what led up to it? What led up to it is that the kings, the, each, both Israel and Judea, both to the nation states, were starting to trend towards idolatry and. Uh, worship and uh, more and more uh, where the king had more power and the people had less power. And yet uh, the prophets would arise and would call out and say, turn, turn now, turn your, you know, the king you need to turn and the people you need to turn. And because they didn't, and even they did, you know, when there was an occasion where people would turn to God in masses, suddenly the judgment was moved off, was pushed off, you know, and it was delayed. And then when, when they fell back in, God then allows the Babylonians and the Assyrians and the Persians and everybody else to come in and destroy Jerusalem and destroy the northern kingdom and take them into captivity, right? So this is what we see over and over again. And I think that's going to happen here. God has given America this great gift, this wonderful opportunity. The Constitution basically is a gift. Uh, and uh, the more we abandon it, uh, and ignore it and allow things to happen, the more he will let judgment upon us. Mm-hmm. I think it's very important we understand this clearly. I was talking to a pastor the other day, and he said, well, it's not my job to get involved in politics. And I talked about how it is his job to get involved in politics. But the, the reality is that you can't preach. You know, he said, I just need to be preaching the gospel. And I said, um, well, you can't preach the gospel if it's legal. And he says, well, the church may need some persecution. I the church does not need persecution. And I didn't go into this with because uh, of the time, but the reality is, and I have an extended version of my book, which is called uh, The Persecution of the Church. And I show that if you have persecution, the church does not grow. People think, oh, under persecution, the church grows. No, the church grows maybe less or equal to when there is persecution than when there is, isn't. But what does happen is, depending on the regime, the church can actually shrink. And if you look at China, depending on what the church in China grows when the regime 
says we're not going to pay attention to it. The church in China shrinks and dies when regime says we are going to destroy you, and they target the pastors, and they kill the pastors, and then they target the people, and they kill the people, and go after them individually, which is a lot of what's happening today. So we don't see the church growing in those situations. But here's another thing that most of us forget. In all cases, the church has never grown under Islam unless God steps in with visions. Hmm. So in other words, we don't see the church growing in. And under Islam, the church never grows. It just never grows. But then God steps in and he brings visions and he brings people into, into the kingdom that way. And then it grows. But it's not growing because the church is now reaching out to people. Because God is reaching out to people. And so I think it's very foolhardy for us to say, oh, we need persecution because the church will grow. No, in fact, it makes it all does. I'll tell you what persecution does. It refines us. Well, it also it spreads the, the church, right? I mean, that's one yeah. way that persecution did serve in the uh, first century church the is Acts, that right. they got yeah. out. Yeah, in the book yeah. of Acts, they yeah. got out of Jerusalem and they were sent out. They were scattered because they were they were being killed. You're right. I mean, it's hard to right. say that, yeah, my church is growing. Well, wait a minute. My pastor was just killed. I mean, that's that's kind of a rough thing. But it, it did work to scatter the church. <laughs> Exactly. But, and I talk about that in, in, in the—this is the unabridged version of the book. If, you, if you're interested in Jesus in politics, unabridged, it's on it's Amazon. It's, it's an extra 100 pages. <laughs> the book was already 400 pages, and I thought, wow. So we abridged it, uh, and then this is the extra, the unabridged. It's got a couple more indexes, a few more chapters in it. But in it, I talk about it. I said, yeah, and in the, in the New Testament days, the church expanded. But here's the question. Where are we going to expand to? Yep, yep. Yeah, where are we going to go? Maybe Mars. Yeah. Maybe Mars. <laughs> Elon Musk is working on that. <laughs> That's right. Well, you know, this is one of the things that is so tough, and it, it is hard for anyone who loves America and loves what God has given us, the freedoms that we've really enjoyed and perhaps maybe have taken for granted. I think that a lot of us are realizing that that's the case. And some people, mm -hmm. Neil, would say, we've already crossed the Rubicon. We've crossed the point of no return. Do you believe that America has done that? No, I don't believe that for many reasons. And here's one of the fun. See, there may come a time, and I hope that's not soon. I hope it's not in my children's day, but there's a possibility. There may come a time when we need to have a convention. I don't mean a convention of states, a convention of new states. And you gather the red states, and you say, we're going to gather, and it has to be our officials, not a random group of people. It has to be the governors and the, and the state representatives and all that. They gather together, and they, they do a convention where they discuss the opportunities to leave the old United States and start with the new United States. Wow. And in this case, you see, here's the reality. The arc, I'll, I'll have to say, and this is something that I spend a lot of time thinking about. We have an amazing constitution. We have an amazing constitution, but the constitution has a weakness. The constitution is not designed to protect itself from interior deviousness, right? Mm -hmm. We can't put the constitution. Is, there's nothing in the constitution that protects itself from corruption inside the nation. It protects you from a whole bunch of other things. It protects you from government. It protects you from this, pressure, but it doesn't protect you from people inside who would willingly corrupt and change the system. Well, it actually and almost leans know. in. It leans into the notion that that could actually happen, and it gives the people then a charge to uh, to, to reform right. it. Right. And, but yeah, exactly. And, and this is this is uh, Benjamin Franklin's thing. You know, uh, you know, Doctor Franklin, what have you given us? Well, a public, if you can keep it. If you can right. keep it. That's right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Because a republic is tenuous, right? And it, it's going to fall into, uh, it's going to go into uh, democracy or mobocracy, as they called it. And a mobocracy will then go into an oligarch or, or a monarchy or an empire or a, you know, a dictatorship, and it will go into an oligarchy. Then you'll end up like most other nations mm -hmm. in the world. Like Russia. Mm -hmm. Right, mm -hmm. Russia, right. So, so the real question is, can we keep it? And is there a way for us to get together and reform it, so it protects itself. Now, it has to be done very carefully. Maybe it can't be done, but I think that we have to spend some time thinking about how we can protect the Constitution from people who would change it, subvert it, and win it. And that, um, and also can, but, but, I, but here's the reality. I don't think you can protect anything from a people who don't care. 
right? Mm-hmm. And that's where we're at, where the church doesn't care. The church is just that for the picture. And they're like, why? Why aren't you? This is the nation that God has used to bring the Bible to more people, bring the gospel to more people, has bring hospitals to more people. In the entire history of mankind, America has brought more hospitals mm-hmm. to the world, no doubt. more missionaries to the world, more gospels to the world, more Bibles to the world, right, than any other nation in the history of Christianity. And yet, they're going to let it go tank down and, and die. I think that's time that we said, no, we need to get together and, and form a new union. Um, and of course, now people are going to say, uh, well, that's really violent. Remember the last civil war? I don't think so. I don't think it'll be very violent. Let me explain why. Most of the army are red state kids, or red state minded kids. Most of the, I don't know about the Navy, but most of the army is, right? Mm-hmm. Most of the Air Force is. Right, the missiles are in the red states. Uh, who are they going to? If we decide to to draw a borderline, who are they going to send to fight us? The metrosexuals, mm. the transgender kids. Who's going to come fight us? They're going to say, "Look, just go away, leave us alone." You know, they're not going to be able to do that. Yeah, they might try to pull some shenanigans with nuclear weapons and stuff like that. But I don't think so because we own nukes. We have the nukes on our on our side of the, of the nation. So, uh, is it a reality? I hope it never happens, but. We should always realize that there is a possibility, and maybe uh, one day we have to pull the trigger. I don't think if we do pull the trigger, I do not think it will come to violence. I think it will be a very reasoned approach. We'll say, the other side will say, we well, just don't have the abilities. We will try some financial shenanigans, but I don't think they have the, the wherewithal. Um, I, a lot of people say, well, Neil, what's, yeah, well, well, what if they bring another army? I said, well, yeah, I think you have to understand. If I count all armies in all the world, and I count their guns, it amounts to 30 million guns in that study. Okay, mm. all the armies all the world, about 30 million guns. America owns 400 million guns. We own 12 times as many guns than all the armies in all the world. Mm. And yet we're <laughs> now, so divided in on ourselves. <laughs> yeah, now true, they have tanks and they have all that stuff. But as we've seen in Ukraine, where a small army of dedicated people can keep off an entire massive nation, right? Yeah, right. I don't think people, I don't think anybody's going to, uh, to, I don't think there'll be another civil war. I think it'll just end up being very reasoned. Okay, folks, you do your own thing, we'll do ours. Now, you're obviously a, a deep thinker on this. What are your thoughts as to where the American military, under a commander-in-chief like President Biden, what do you think they are thinking right now? Well, the the... If you, if you go down to the lower level, they've done their very best to eliminate um, the what we call conservative generals and all that from the arm. So the top level, I think, are now completely moved over to the left. They're all part of the left um, and the whole dominion we want to control thing. We better than you do, right? But I think if you go down into the rank and file, I've, you know, I talked to many servicemen and service people, and they're all they're America first people. Mm. So I think that. Um, if it comes to, it has to be a clear call, right? In other words, if we say we are calling servicemen to the real constitution to protect the constitution of the United States versus the corrupted legal system that they have, I think you'll see a lot of people responding the right way. Hmm. Now, with this uh, latest stuff that's been coming out, I mean, the Labor Day speech was added on to the speech of a couple of days before. Uh, I'm looking forward to having my friend Dave Zanotti from the the public square is going to be on, and we're going to be talking about that in a depth uh, even tomorrow. But uh, but for this last speech, it, it's very clear that what you stand for in the Values Advocacy Council, uh, the mm-hmm. president is almost uh, going the opposite direction and trying to take us into a, a, a new group of what he calls values. We wouldn't call them values. They're certainly not in line with Judeo-Christian values. And it's uh, you, you got to wonder who's pulling the strings, because it doesn't seem to be President Biden. Well, we all know that it, it isn't him, right? Uh, if, anyone, if it's anyone, it's Barack Obama, right? So, but I think that if we would be a foolhardy to think it is Barack Obama, because behind Barack is, um, is 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 a greater force, and I would think that would be the the people who the one world order, the Karl Schwab, and mm-hmm. all those guys, mm-hmm. and and even 
beyond that, there's also the CCP, right? So we've got these two things now. The good news is um, these guys will eventually fight amongst themselves. The bad news is that uh, we will get a cannon fodder in the, in the middle. Mm-hmm. Uh, but here's one thing that I think that we have to understand what's going on. Biden is not appealing to anyone who thinks, right? Um, Jordan Peterson is an amazing guy. One of these days, hopefully, he'll find the Lord. Uh, but one thing he said that just changed everything I do, uh, and I, I heard about a month ago, he says, you have to realize you can't argue, and I'm summarizing, I'm doing a very bad job of summarizing. He says it in a much finer, more eloquent way. He says, you have to realize that when you argue against somebody, they don't listen to what you're saying. So you think, well, I can give you a logical argument. I can explain step A, step B, step C, step C, and D, and this is how we come to our conclusion. And you're thinking that that will work. What you don't understand is that they are part of the collective. And when you're part of the collective, there is no objective There is no objective reason. There is no objective logic. The collective says, we think this way. This is how we think. You think that way. So it doesn't matter what you say. You are just an avatar of your side, mm-hmm. a representative of your side. Your arguments mean nothing. We think this way. You think that way. You are the enemy. We are not. So therefore, it doesn't matter what you say. Anything you say is now suspect. It's false. I don't believe it because it's not what we think. So what Biden is doing, he's going out and they're saying, hey, folks, this is what we think. Rally to me. This is how we're going to think from here on forward. And this is how I want you to act based not on logic, not on reason. So if you go to the average non-thinking leftist and say, well, here's why abortion is wrong. And let me explain that the, that the child is a human, you know, the unborn is human. And I can show you all the scientific reasons. They don't care. I pull these arguments all day long on Facebook. With, mm-hmm. There's a group I'm on, Abortion Uncensored, and these guys are clueless. You start an argument, and you get to the point where you split everything, and they start calling you names. And I always say, look, if you respond to this with an hominem fallacy, calling me names, I will know that I have won this argument. You are unable to reason beyond it. Right, right. And I can't tell you how many times they just do exactly that. And they don't go, I, I, maybe once or twice I've had a reason the argument come back. Wow. And then I dispense with that. And then, then silence. The best is silence. <laughs> My goodness. But most of them are coming. So, so what we're looking at is really the dichotomy of look, we are the collective. We think this has nothing to do with reality. It has to do with this is our principle, this is our creed. It, and that's why when they look at Christians and say, well, I believe in apologetics, I believe you have to be proved that Jesus is God, I believe that you have to prove the Bible is true, you have to prove that God exists, you have science and logic and reason, history and philosophy and archaeology, you have to prove all this. They're like, no, 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 you just have blind faith in your, your beliefs. Wow. And you're that part of that collective, and we're this collective, and we disagree with you, and, which is one of the reasons why my ministry is called No Blind Faith, which is an apologetic ministry. Right. And but, give us your website real quick. We're just about out okay, of time so, on this segment. Yeah, so that's noblindfaith.com is my apologetics, and that has all my arguments against abortion uh, using logic and reason. And then also uh, Jesus is involved in politics.com for the book, and then vac.org, which is the organization where we are collect, we are gathering Christians and moving forward to try and get them involved. In fact, we have like 8 to 12 people running for city board this year. Oh, that's great. Neil Mumman out there in Idaho. Enjoy that beautiful weather out there, buddy. (laughs) Thank you. All right. God bless you. And we'll be back in a moment. This is Afternoons with Mike. EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat serves all your comfort needs. With over 40 years experience, EC Waters is a top train comfort specialist, earning customers for life with integrity. No wonder EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat has earned a 4.6 or higher out of 5 rating and reviews across all major online platforms. For all your comfort needs, call 407-603-9144 or visit ecwaters.com. If you've considered the natural beauty of a wood floor, then go with a winner. Ability Wood Flooring has been a trusted source and family-owned and operated since 1950. Ability Wood Flooring is voted best of the best and are featured on A&E's Zombie House Flipping. Ability proudly works with Florida's top builders, winning many awards in the Parade of Homes. Get a free design consultation today. AbilityWoodFlooring.com 
On the line with me right now is Carla Spaulding. Carla is running for Congress in South Florida, District 25. She's up against a name that many will recognize, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, who uh, was the chair of the Democratic National Committee under President Obama. Uh, it is a real joy to not only meet and get to uh, hear from Carla, but for her to take the time out of what I know is a very busy schedule to be on our program. It's so appreciated. Carla Spaulding, welcome to Afternoons with Mike. Cool. Thanks for having me, Mike. Lovely to be on your show. And just want to say a warm welcome to the audience as well. Well, it is uh, always fun to talk to somebody who's <laughs> stepping out and doing something so important, and that is representing our country. Uh, you know, just, I don't need to tell you this, you deal in this every day in ways that I can't even imagine, but our culture is changing at breakneck speed, isn't it? Yes, absolutely uh, changing, and it's not necessarily for the best. And this is where we come in, where we have to start electing people that understand that and, and be able to represent the people within the district and not themselves. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's something for those of us that are believers, those of us that are uh, patriots, and that's what you are. You're a patriot. You're someone that has for a long time stood up for the rights that uh, our Constitution has given this country. And, uh, you know, I had a, a really fun chat earlier today with someone that was talking about the fact that one of the things that we all have to realize about our Constitution, one weakness is, is that it, it uh, won't necessarily defend itself. It takes patriots, it takes those that believe in the Constitution and that God gave us this wonderful mm -hmm. country, it takes that to defend it. Would you agree with that? Absolutely, absolutely. And this is where the fight comes in. A lot of people think that, you know, your freedom is free uh, just for the hell of it, but it's not. People before us fought for it. I was in the Navy. But there are, you know, brave men and women who stood and fought that we're able to even have this conversation right now. And if we don't continue to protect that and fight for that, this will not be a free country. And, and, and as far as I'm concerned right now, we're on the verge of losing it. It's only free when it's convenient when it comes to abortion. It's only free when it comes to uh, transgender. But when it comes to family values or the right for the parents to have a decision-making in their the children's education and, you know, just godly things, those things that they want to take those things away. And I'm, I'm very disappointed in our pastors who have literally stood there in, in silence and allow a lot of these things to take place. Um, get off topic, uh, I think one of the things that we also have to be aware of that has not been addressed is the mental health issue. And I do truly believe that the Poor mental health in the United States also is what's contributing to these a lot of these disasters as well. When your mind is not healthy, when you're not thinking positively, when you are burdened with 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 a many life circumstances, depression comes in, panic attack comes in, all these different things, and, and we may not think that they are serious. But at the end of the day, it really has an impact, not just on that particular individual, but also on the family itself. I could not agree more with what you just said, because one of the things, one of the hallmarks of uh, the mental health situation right now, one of the most common ways that it um, manifests itself is through this issue of depression and, and yeah. discouragement. And when you yeah. have issues like what our country's going through, uh, it is enough to cause anyone who's never had a down day mentally in their life, it's enough to, to really make them feel discouraged and depressed. And then when you take uh, events like what happened in Afghanistan, when we left mm -hmm. Afghanistan, the way that we did, 
when you look at what's going on in our border, when you look at what's going on with this whole transgender issue, it's enough to cause even the strongest resolutions to fail a bit. Wouldn't you agree? Yes, absolutely. Uh, this is why I'm, I'm bringing it up. Is um, it, It's proven that actually one in every five U.S. suffers from, from depression. And, you know, it's, it's a big thing. And we really haven't addressed the depression or just, you know, mental health, which also sometimes the depression is suicide. And when you think about the children in the school, a lot of these transgender, in fact, just so you're aware, I was at a hearing maybe three, four weeks ago. And this hearing was called to action because there were doctors and um, activists were there, and they wanted to, my opponent as well, who believes that we should use Medicaid money to do transgender surgery for children under 18 years old. Mm. The fact that we're even having that conversation was just very, very upsetting for me and for many other people. Thank God it worked out in the end where the doctors decided that it was not in the best interest for that to take place. But picture if we didn't have people like myself and others who are going up and speaking on behalf of our children. Um, you know, it's, where, would the, where is this country going? And we have to, we cannot continue to turn a blind eye because at the end of the day, we all can suffer from the, uh, the outcomes. So we have to continue to stand strong. We have to continue to, to have support groups. We have to make sure that we're working on, on, on the prices of rent, the prices of food, you know, that things that are affordable. I mean, the basic went to public today, this morning, and just the basic necessity you can't do without. You need toilet paper. You need paper towels. And all these things are not affordable for, for a family of three or four or five who are making even $20 an hour. I don't know how they manage. So we have to be realistic. We have to start implementing true solutions and not band-aids. These band-aids are not working. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty much what we're doing. One side says, do this. The other side says, don't do it. And in the middle, suffers the people in the community. And I, we have to wait. I know that one of the things you really have a heart for would be our children. And one of the impacts that they're facing, and we're all facing it, but it really is going to impact the young people of this world, uh, those that are even in uh, middle school on up. With the border being what it is, we're seeing a, a just an amazing increase in the drug use, in the drug dealers coming in, uh, bringing in even candy-colored fentanyl pills, according mm -hmm. to the DEA. What do you see as uh, any potential way of addressing this problem? Well, I think the first thing we have to do is it's not going to be just on one side. I think that's part of the issue. We have to truly come together, and, and, and the Democrat Party, they also have children. And I am not quite sure why, and, and grandchildren, why are they not understanding that this is very detrimental to the people who are supposed to be the future of this country? Mm -hmm. And there has to be a plan to attack this. And I, I, I don't believe it's not just border. It's also within the communities. And we have to have stronger laws that to address this. If these drug dealers are, are caught, they need to be a, a larger penalty right now. And, and as you know, when they go into jail, they're out the next day. So it's, it's not even working. It's just really sad. It's very sad. And then you add to that things like what happened down there in South Florida at Mar-a-Lago, what looks to be a, a massive, unprecedented level of government overreach. And it's uh, now being fought out in the courts. Um, I don't know that any of us have a real clue as to how this is going to end. What are your thoughts about Mar-a-Lago? Well, 
Well, definitely they had no right to do that. And if you notice, well, they're bringing up everything. It had nothing to do with this classified information. Uh, it came out that they had his medical records, tax records, everything other than really what they're supposedly going there to address. It's all about control. It's all about power. It's all about stopping from running in 2024. That's what my feeling is mm -hmm. because they know if he runs he will win and when he wins i have to pray that god helps him. <laughs> what do you see happening carla uh, what do you see happening with this do you feel that if uh, if you're right on that that one of the major reasons for the raid in mar-a-lago that would really mean then that what is being kind of speculated upon that the Department of Justice, the FBI, have all been in a way weaponized uh, for political purposes. What do you see happening with that? Well, the, the corruption goes beyond even my understanding. And I think that's what I think the, our audience need to understand. There are a lot of things that are in place that no matter how much you fight, it's beyond our control. This corruption is so bad. When we talk about the swamp, it's not just Democrats. You have Republicans also, some of them that have sided with the Democrats. And, and those are the ones we call the rhinos. And until they're out of office, it's going to be difficult. Mm -hmm. We need new members in Congress and the Senate. We need people that are going to put Use the American people first. We need you, the people, to vote in office that we can defend you, we can defend the Constitution, we can defend our children, we can have better health care, you know, we can fight the inflation, we can have lower taxes. There's so many crises after crisis that this administration has implemented because it's just pure bad policies. And with bad policies, policies, we end up having bad outcomes. Mm -hmm. This is just part of what it is. It certainly is. And, you know, there's an old saying, Carla, that busy people stay busy. You're one of those. You, you were a nurse. You were enrolled. You were a member of the United States Navy. And now you're running mm -hmm. for the U.S. Congress District 25 in Florida against a pretty well-known name in the Democratic Party. And, you know, when you look at the fight that is before even you right now, uh, you're having to enter a fray because of conviction and because that you care. Uh, you're having to enter into what is uh, what some people would call a bit of a dirty fight. There are a lot of plans, a lot of politics that are going on right now, and it's not um, a very courteous scene, is it? 100% correct. And... There are times, honestly, I feel as if, you know, I ask myself a question, what the heck are you doing? But at the end of the day, I realize that it's not for me necessarily. I'm fighting for my children, your children, grandchildren. And if we don't stand up to that, um, what else, what, what, why are we living? <laughs> they are the ones going to be taking care of us when we're older. And... Right now, they need good role models. They need good education. They have to see that there's hope. And, of course, we talk about the mental health. So many children suffered because of, through the COVID, have lost friends, families, not being in school, able to, to play, and all of that. So, you know, we have a bunch of different things that we have to address. Not just address, we have to really start implementing solutions. They work. Fine, if they don't, we change them. But we mm -hmm. sit around election after election after election on the same topics that's been going on for decades with still no true solution implemented. How long will you sit and allow that to happen? That's a great question. When are you yeah. going? Yeah. And, and, and let's talk about, I want to talk about it. We have, my district is primarily Islanders. And we do have a lot of um, uh, black who has been fooled to believe that because you're, you're black, you have to be a Democrat. And I, and I just want to tell them, 
if you don't see that in the last several years, what has been taking place, that they do not care about you, I don't know what else to say to you. We must start electing people that have proven that they deserve your vote. Don't just give your vote away to anyone. Mm -hmm. Don't just give your vote to just to give. If you're not seeing a return on that, just like a business, you don't vote for them. If they're not representing the values, don't vote for them. If they're going to still have high guest prices and high everything, then you don't vote for them. You vote them out. Try somebody else. Plain and simple. That's the message I really want to have out today. Our country cannot afford to be in the sham that it is right now. Mm -hmm. If not 2024, we won't have a country to even put I agree completely. And this is a big concern in the time of the day, the era that people would vote for a person just because they, they like the party. They need to really know what's going on. They need to do the homework. They need to see mm -hmm. what is being stood for. Give us your website that people can get in touch with you, learn more about your plans. Would you do that? Absolutely. It's Carla, C-A-R-L-A. Spalding, no you, S-P-A-L-D-I-N-G, at 4FORCongress.com. And I'm on Instagram, and it's Carla Spalding for Congress, same way, um, split up. I'm in the white dress, and then I'm also on Twitter. Uh, you can find me on Twitter as well. And most importantly, just know that we have to volunteer. We need volunteers. We need funding. We cannot do this alone. And so you know, 20 percent of our Broward of the Republicans came out and vote. Now, do you expect for us to have a red wave if only 22% of you come out and vote? You get out, get out of that couch and go vote, volunteer, and do whatever you can to make this happen. We have to win this country over. We cannot allow this country to go down the drain. And the only way that's going to happen is by getting your support. We have to. Thank you, thank so, you much. so much for having us. We ask many blessings to all of you. I appreciate you very much. So great to uh, meet you, Carla. Carla Spaulding, and uh, we appreciate your being with us. We'll be back in a moment. This is Afternoons with Mike. Are you looking for the right franchise to open your own business? Green Flag Franchise has the experience and knowledge to help match your business plan with your goals and values. Is your business ready to become a franchise? Green Flag Franchise will help you explore the potential and benefits of franchising your existing company. For a free consultation and coaching, visit GreenFlagFranchise.com. That's GreenFlagFranchise.com. Palm Beach Atlantic University Orlando offers three distinct areas of study. An evening Master's of Science in Clinical Mental Health Counseling, an evening Bachelor's of Science in Human Services, and our new Daytime Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. All of our courses are offered at our beautiful campus on Millennia Boulevard. For more information or to schedule a tour, call 844-PBA-ORLANDO. That's 844-PBA-ORLANDO. Turning 65 or already on Medicare? Have you tried to compare Medicare supplement plans? Are you sick and tired of the awful TV commercials where washed-up football players confuse you even more? Speak with a licensed independent insurance agent today. Call 407 965-4166 now or visit Affordable One Insurance in Winter Park, Florida and discuss what is important for you. Be sure to ask us about dedicated senior medical centers. Here we are again now for segment three on my program today. Sometime back, I had a visit from someone from Israel. His name is Moran Rosenbilt and he leads an organization there called Hope for Israel hope for number four israel.org moran was in town and uh, he was so nice to come by and chat a little bit he lives in israel and is a strong believer in yeshua he believes in the lord that we worship and those who know him believe that god is using him in a particular way to reach new people for jesus in israel so i'm going to bring you in on a little bit of this discussion with moran rosenbilt your ministry 
And we're going to get to the ministry in a moment, but you were getting ready to say uh, about a, something that you had read from a, another person. Can you? Well, should... yeah, I, 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 I'm reading it because I don't want to forget it. As I was talking to a, a, a good friend of mine in Dallas yesterday, I said that it feels like as believers, we have lost the heart for people in the name of God. And we do it sometimes unintentionally. And we need to remember that it's about the people. Mm -hmm. There are some terminologies that I am struggling with. For example, missions, okay, or the M word, the missionary. I struggle with that because when you focus on missions, then the missions is the, the focus and not the people. And we need to get back to a place where we remember that the father sent his son to reconcile the people back to him. Mm -hmm. They are not targets. They are not instruments. They are people, living creatures, um, and uh, creation, and not even creatures. It's uh, uh, but so in. I, I believe that in Israel and just like anywhere else, if someone see that you have an authentic faith and that you care about them in a very genuine way. One of the, the hardest things ever I heard from an Israeli who was yet to accept the Messiah. He told me, Ron, you're just like everyone else. I said, what do you mean like everyone else? Just like all the other believers like you. I said, what do you mean? He said, you don't care about me. I said, what do you mean? He said, all you care about that I will say yes to your Messiah. And if I don't, you will even forget my name. That was one of those, I call it the ouch moments, mm -hmm. yeah. that you have yeah. a mirror in front of us. So back to your question about being in Israel, it's just to show people what it means to be a follower, to be free, to live with according to the precepts that God has given us. To free to love him, to be free to love one another, to be free to worship him, not because of that we must, but because of we get to do yeah. that. I, I like to say that the difference between us as believers, Jew and Gentile alike, than all other religions in the world, all other religions do what they do because of what they will get in the future. Mm -hmm. We do what we do because of what we got. Mm -hmm. I don't do what I do because of what I will get. What he did was more than enough. Right. It gives me the freedom now to worship him. Yes. Yes, I understand that. And, you know, in uh, America, we've had, uh, I, I heard a pastor say this, and it was to the shame of the church. He said, we often have people uh, who are giving and a call to believe, and, and we get them. He said, we're more concerned about dunking them, and then we drop them. That was the phrase he used. He said, we need to be much more concerned about discipleship, much more concerned about the individual and where they are going and what happens to them after they make that decision change in their life where they're going to become a believer. That, that is really important. And, and discipleship is a way of life. I think we get a little confused there. Discipleship is not a, a set of books that you read and then you make disciples. Uh, we have uh, one of our sayings in the office is always... A disciple. Always a disciple. Always a disciple. Mm -hmm. Because discipleship is a way of life. You learn and you teach. And the definition actually of making disciples is to teach them to obey not whatever you want, not whatever tickles your ears, everything that he has commanded us. And, and how can you obey? Not because you must, but because you get. So we... It's, it's kind of a different mindset uh, that, that we have, but the call is to make disciples. Mm -hmm. And the best way to teach others how to love God and walk with accordance to the, his ways is the way we live our life, because otherwise we are hypocrites. When you deal with the fact that there are so many that are believers now in the world, not just in America, but in the world, and they would be of the Gentile division between Jew and Gentile, do you find that there's the right sense or the right direction, let's put it this way, with people who really profess faith in Jesus? Or do you feel that there is a unity that 
we do have, or do you feel we're missing the mark? I think we're missing the mark. I think I, I believe that we're still missing the mark uh, on that. And uh, these kind of conversations, like you're inviting me and we are having a conversation, that those are the things that uh, the, in the dialogues that need to happen in order for us to understand one another and to accept one another. And then you know how to love one another. It's relationship. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and then you make a choice uh, to love and to live in unity. So we have that, but we need to allow one another. Again, this example of men and women, um, we need to allow one another to be who we were created to be without the expectation that we will become something else. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a good word. We do need to be more loving. We need to be more careful. And I think it is in human nature that we tend to kind of box everything in, into what is comfortable, into what is uh, traditional to us. And there is that sense. I think that uh, most theologians in America would agree that we tend to Americanize those that are in America Uh, religion and our understanding of it. And we put everybody, including Israel, in the same kind of categories. And and what we're hearing from you today is there is a a, just a little bit of a different looking uh, ability to look at all of that and process all of that. Would you agree with that? I I would agree. You know, as as you said what you said, I'm I'm reminded because we do some work in, in different places in Africa. And my goal is not to have the locals depending on me. My goal is to invest in the locals, to build them up, but then to have them do the work mm-hmm. in the local culture, in their native language. That's my goal. It's not for me to say, oh, I've done that because it's not about me. We have to get back to be kingdom-minded people. It's all about God. It's all for God. It's all from God. So it's not about the numbers. It's not about the, all, all those man-made uh, um, things that are there to feed our flesh and our own mm-hmm. pride. It's not about that. It's all about God. So if we can get back to that, I believe that, that we will be much more effective. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and then we will really be able to see people that will want to believe in God because of what he has done for them and not because of all the other things. What's a month like for you? What holds uh, the, the next 30 days? What's, what's going to be held in those days in, in terms of your activity? What's it going to be like? Well, this specific month, I'm actually traveling in different parts in the U.S. So I'm going to be uh, traveling in uh, California, in Texas, in uh, Louisiana, in Ohio. Mm-hmm. And I'll be sharing, teaching uh, at different places with different group of people that have uh, asked me to. What about uh, when you're in Israel? What does that look like then? Uh, nothing is normal in Israel. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but really my, my, uh, my, go- my job uh, in, in Israel is uh, to invest in the team that God is entrusted and to empower them to do their work in a more powerful way. They are able to do such a greater work than I do. Uh, so my job is to empower them and then they go and are doing uh, amazing work, uh, specifically in investing and empowering the future generation uh, in uh, Israel. And then, you know, of course, I host uh, different tour groups and uh, uh, different things that God has called us. Mm-hmm. Now, I know you have a group of people that meet weekly. Yes, sir. Well, there in well the- we, we are... Our, our ministry, our organization is, is really a non-denomination, so it's not like we have our own congregation, but uh, the people that we have, specifically uh, in the future generations, they come from different congregations, mm-hmm. and we are just strengthening them to be fruitful in their own local congregations. In their own local churches that yes. are congregations, like yes. you said. That. Yes, and, and I write weekly commentaries uh, that we send out, so that just... Uh, I spent time studying and writing uh, just to give a different insight into uh, the different uh, scriptures. I think most believers would have had or still would have in their lifetime a desire to go to Israel. Is this a good time to do that? It's a great time to do that. 
you know, you never know what will be happening tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I mean, we know what will happen at the end, but I, I think that if you are able now to do it, do it today so you will not regret and not be able to, to say, oh, I wish I've done it. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you sense that uh, this is what God is calling you to, just do it. If you say, well, we don't have the finances, I've heard so many testimonies of people that their hearts to go to Israel, they put a little bit of money and God provided all the rest. So I just want to encourage people to come to Israel. And if they come, what are the parts of Israel that you say you got to see that? What would that include? Well, if uh, other uh, tour agencies are hearing right now, I cannot give all the secrets, <laughs> but uh, I, I would say that for yeah. sure uh, going to Jerusalem yes. is, is the number one uh, place that I would say to, to go to. But uh, the area of the Sea of Galilee um, is wonderful. You see the different climates and the different uh, places, uh, geographical places of, of the land of right. Israel. I personally love the entire region of Judea and Samaria. Um, that, of course, Jerusalem in that region, but mm-hmm. you know, you go to the, the cave of the patriarchs with Hebron and you go to other parts that are just, uh, in my opinion, are fascinating uh, to see. And uh, those are the important pillars of our faith. I studied when I was in high school the the Qumran scrolls, yes. of the Dead Sea Scrolls, and on that trip, just being able to see with my own eyes some of those lands where those caves were discovered and holding those great artifacts that we have to this day, the Dead Sea Scrolls, what an eye-opening study that was. It's fascinating, and what I love about these kind of discoveries, uh, or like the discovery of the Pool of Siloam, uh, the way they discovered it, um, uh, from a kind of a, a sewage that got plugged and you go to fix it and you find the Pool of Salom, kind of a, a great mm-hmm. idea. But what I, I love about this is that the more the world trying to deny God, mm-hmm. the Bible, the existence of God and the truth of the Word of God, the more we're going to find some amazing discoveries like this. As a shepherd just going in the mountain and find something that looks interesting and then bring it and it's the Dead Sea Scrolls, just like those kind of stories. But I believe that God wants to bring the truth and we are going to see more and more of these kind of stories. A believer in Yeshua, Moran Rosenbild, my guest today. The website is hopeforisrael.org. That's hope number four israel.org. Moran, thank you for being here. Thank you very much. That was Moran Rosenbilt. Glad that he was able to come by and chat. And uh, it's really important that we take heed to what he was saying. Let's not lose sight of the fact that we are reaching out to people, not just a mission for mission's sake, but the Lord was moved when he looked at the people. And may we keep that heart in us as well. Thank you for being with me today. We'll see you next time right here on Afternoons with Mike.